So the basics really are your offer. So what is your product? What problem does it solve? How much is it? What other products are you going to bring into the range to keep people coming back? Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Homework Allure and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture. And yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. On today's episode, I have Lisa Byrne, who helps women grow their e-commerce businesses by strengthening their marketing foundations and streamlining their marketing. So it's really common when you have, and I can speak from personal experience with this, when you have an e-commerce business and you feel like you have to do all the things, you have to have a blog and you have to have email marketing and Facebook ads and Google ads and social media, and it can be really overwhelming. So she actually helps businesses who face that overwhelm and struggle with marketing and lack of direction. So they might not be seeing results from all the hard work because they're focusing on too many things at once and they don't have a clear message and they aren't clear on who their perfect customer is. So you might be burning out and just throwing things against the wall. And Lisa helps consolidate all that and bring it together in a really concise, clear marketing plan to help you move forward and, of course, grow. So her coaching style is really unique in that it's one-on-one and personalized and they have unlimited access to her and women thrive when they feel really supported. And in the episode, we talk about how she transitioned from corporate to coaching because she's got over 20 years corporate experience with really big brands. And then also what lights her up about coaching women in e-commerce? Why does she pivot and go down the e-commerce path? And what are the common things that a lot of people, of business owners have that are keeping them stuck? So let's dive in. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited. I gave a little bit of an overview and introduction, but we met online. We're online friends, meeting for the first time face-to-face here. Yeah. And Mm. you got in touch with me after I think you had heard me on a podcast, and then we found out that we had really similar audiences and people that we work with, but just in different specialties. So can you give me an overview on what you actually do and how you got there? Yeah, sure. So I'm a marketing coach. I work with women who are in the early stages of their e-commerce business. And I got here by, wow, a long, long career in marketing. I started off in uh, radio and TV back when I was very young. And I stayed in that until I had my first child in 2015. So I was managing, you know, multi-million dollar budgets, launching massive TV shows like Australia's Next Top Model and building household name brands like uh, Fox 8, SBS. I worked in London for the BBC, Nickelodeon back here in Australia. So I really had cut my teeth on those big brands, big thinking, creative initiatives. And then, of course, kids came along and I personally just couldn't keep up that um, same level of 
steam that those corporate gigs require from you. And I, you know, made a decision at the same time of uh, taking a sea change, moving to the Central Coast, and yeah, started working for myself. And I just love it working with women in particular, very, very one-on-one. It's a, a million years away from my past life, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I didn't realize that we had our first child in the same year. So my firstborn was uh-huh. January 2015. And I think that, I mean, so many people that I've spoken to have this moment of realization or clarity when they have their first baby and they think, holy moly, like no wonder that our mums and our mums generation stopped working. There's just little to no options when it comes to maintaining a really high-flying job, powerful job, and then also wanting to be really present with your kids and you kind of have to navigate your own path. Is that sort of what you found as well? Absolutely, yeah. So when I was about six months pregnant with Bowie, my firstborn, I hit complete burnout. So I was broken and that came from working, you know, for somebody else and for somebody else's profit, which was fine when you're in your 20s and early 30s and and you can really burn the candle at both ends. But I think there came a time and there comes a time for a first-time mum and especially around that time, I think around 2014, 2015, there was this massive shift and then continues to be that way about women recognising that there isn't that flexibility in corporate roles and they're carving their own path. And it married perfectly into what I do now, which is helping women make those decisions with their marketing that will allow them to provide for their family and be there for their kids on their terms. And I'm really passionate about helping them do that because I see a lot of them making the wrong decisions or spending their money in the wrong areas. And therefore, you know, they're two, three years behind from where they should be. So it kind of all, you know, wrapped up into this perfect situation where I'm, you know, I can empathize with where my clients are sitting and I'm super passionate about helping them and, and using my marketing experience to implement that into a, a small emerging e-commerce brand. And I think you touch what you said is, you know, on their own terms, which is really important because you can work, and I'm sure you realize this is when you have your own business, you're working harder than ever because you've got so many different hats that you're wearing, but it's on your own terms and you get the reward. There's a lot of risk involved, but mm-hmm. the reward is there too. So, I think that's a really common thing is that that feeling of I'm not in control about how my day is structured or whether I can take that off and go and see an assembly or I can pick my kid up if they're sick and feeling beholden to someone else's guidelines. That can be really difficult when you're the primary carer as well. And I think that what you said, how you've you've had all this experience with really, really big brands, that wasn't necessarily e-commerce experience, right? So how did you develop that love of e-com? Yeah, so when I first started working for myself back in, well, I dabbled in 2016, but really committed in 2017, I just started working in e-commerce just through kind of chance. You know, there was local to my area, there was a few um, stores opening and wanting to go online because it was you know, starting to get really important that people went online back in there in those days, in 2017. In the olden days. In the olden days, yeah. <laughs> So it really came through referrals and I had a knack for it, applying the big brand thinking to small brand execution because there really is no difference besides the amount of money that you're spending on it. It is exactly the same theory about having a clear point of difference, about knowing who your customer is and the problem that you solve 
and having a simple message in a way to attract those customers. If you don't have those basics, and I refer to them all the time as marketing foundations, whether you're a multi-million dollar brand, because I've been there, or you're a um, you know a small e-commerce brand turning over 10,000K a month, if you don't have those things, um, neither is going to work. And when you do identify, if you break it down at that level, what are some of those basics? Like what are some of those foundational aspects that you need to kind of have nutted out before you get started? Because I think that when people decide to start a business, it's often on the fly. Like as much as we Mm -hmm. like to think that it's a really strategic planned out move, it's often like, this is a good idea. Let me try and run with it. And then the foundations come later. So what advice can you give to people when it's like, these are the things you should really think about in the beginning stages? Yeah, absolutely. And and I see that all the time. And not that there's anything wrong with that, starting your marketing back to front. So, because especially as women, we're super creative. We, we find a problem that we want to solve and we come up with a website and a product and a pretty logo. And then we have to kind of circle back and go, okay, hang on, I need to get clear on the basics. So the basics really are your offer. So what is your product? What problem does it solve? How much is it? What other products are you going to bring into the range to keep people coming back? Who is your customer? So beyond, and this is something I see all the time, you know, mums age 25 to 55, that, that's not a target market. <laughs> that's um, a gender and age group. But yeah, so really getting... <laughs> really getting clear on their pain points. So what are they talking about with their girlfriends when it comes to this problem? Let's let's say that they're women. You know, what's their life situation? Um, what keeps them up at night? What excites them? So you really need to intimately know who they are. And if you don't know who they are, then take a really educated guess. And there's certain ways that I do that with my clients. There's a method that I take to get to know their audience and to build that confidence. And the other thing is being able to simply articulate what your message is and its unique point of difference. So, you know, e-commerce is such a crowded, competitive space. If you're coming out with a product that has already been done, that's totally fine because that can still succeed. But you really need to be able to prove and to show and to communicate what's different, what's better, what's more valuable, you know, what's your spin on it. And that's the like the why buy factor. So why buy from you? And if you can't answer that and if you can't articulate that, then you, you need to first and foremost figure that out. And, you know, w- with all of that, there's the, also things behind it, obviously, like your, your brand, your purpose, your vision, your mission, your brand personality, your tone of voice. So I go through all of that kind of stuff with my clients too. And then once the marketing foundations are really sorted, then it's a plan to bring it all together. So all these fabulous, juicy bits of information is is fantastic, but now you need to apply it. And especially as women and mums, our time is so precious. So it has to be simple and it has to be focused because as soon as you start putting too much on your plate or trying to do too many different tactics at once, you become overwhelmed and you stop doing any of it and none of it works. So you, you do need a plan and you know, seeing how things go or trying a little bit of everything to see what works or, you know, crossing your fingers or spending every day on Instagram, they're not really plans. You know, a plan is a roadmap. So this is where I want to be. This is where I want to be at what point in time. And these are the ways I'm going to try and get there. And this is how we're going to measure if it's working or not. What do you think holds people back when Or is a sticking point why people don't do that? Because even when you're saying that to me, I think like, oh, that's such a lot of work. Like, do we really have to go and do all that? And I think that's 
I mean, I probably just answer my own question is that people think it's so much work that it's not going to, it's going to get in the way of the creativity side of things. But I guess when you do have that solid plan, it probably lights up that creativity even more because you have foundations and a roadmap to get there. So do you find that what is the resistance for people doing that work? Well, they just don't have the marketing know-how. So they can go and learn it themselves online, which totally works. But when you've tried that already and it's still not happening for you or you don't have the time, then you do need to seek assistance and you do need to seek guidance. But the main thing is just to keep it simple. So one steady step at a time. And you don't have to plan out your entire year. You could just plan out your next three or four weeks. But you're not going to grow unless you do have those firm building blocks in place. Sometimes you do see you know, they've hit on a sweet spot or they've had initial luck or growth. But if it's not built on those strong foundations, you will have to circle back at some point in time and and just sort of lay them down. Yeah. What do you think that a common thread among the clients that you work with or just brands that businesses that you know, what would be some of those common elements that would have generated that success? Aside from the plan side of things, like what are some key elements that you think lead to a successful e-com brand? Yeah, so I was actually thinking about this this morning or last night. The key commonalities is they're committed. So I think sometimes we can be fearful of doing work ourselves so we outsource too early. That can trip people up sometimes. So I think if you're just starting out in the first few years, Choose one to two areas that you think are going to work or you know are going to work and just focus on them without taking that scattergun approach. You don't have to be everywhere. You don't have to be all things and chase every shiny tactic. I think to some degree we do need to put on our blinkers a little bit when we are building our business and just know what works and follow that path. And that's why I was attracted to what you do because you specialize in Google Ads, which is a fantastic way of growing an e-commerce business. It could also be Facebook ads. It could also be influencer marketing. It could be email marketing. It could be SEO. Yeah, SEO. and Or it could be a mixture of all those things depending on the stage of your business and how committed you are and, you know, your resources. But Growing an e-commerce business doesn't have to be overcomplicated. It can be very simple. You could be doing the same thing, the same things over and over and over for many years and still growing. Uh, You're just doing it at different scales. So, for example, if you want to grow, all you need to do is focus on increasing traffic and increasing conversions. So there may only be two to three things that you actually need to do in order to make those things happen rather than you know, try and absolutely every channel that's available to you. And I think I can really, really understand that perspective because prior to working on the Google ad side of things and deciding that that was really where my passion was, I was an e-commerce business owner. And I remember that perpetual feeling of, I need to get on social media. I need to do SEO. I need to do Facebook ads. I need to do Google ads. And that all spinning through my mind while I'm trying to get all my orders out, update Mm -hmm. my website, stock control, all that sort of stuff. So there is so much spinning around. And I think I agree a hundred percent with what you said in that it's really important to, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will feel like this, but it's really important to focus on one or two things. Don't stress yourself out with trying to grow so quickly. And I still do this myself in that I think, well, I want to do everything and I want to do everything now, Mm. but 
I have now been running my business for nearly a year and I've only just started doing social media because I knew that I could achieve quicker growth for my skill set using paid ads and using Mm -hmm. email marketing. And so those were the two that I focused on. Whereas if that wasn't my strength, I think you need to lean into your strengths with the two things or one, one or two things that you pick in that not to focus on if you're not lit up by social media, then don't use that as your main growth strategy at the beginning. Like focus on one or two that you can really commit to, give it a red hot go and then move on and try something else and like layer up, layer these different marketing tactics on rather than trying mm. to spread too thin at once. Yeah, absolutely. And also leaning into your strengths is one, you know, especially at the start because you're not you're not going to be consistent and do something well if you absolutely hate it. So if you have um, a fear of speaking, perhaps don't try a podcast. But leaning into your strengths and also leaning into your data, so your insights. So even the basic skim of your Shopify analytics is going to tell you some really interesting patterns and things that you can double down on. So if you're seeing that you're only getting, you know, let's say five sales a week from Instagram and 20 sales from Facebook, you're going to know straight away where to put your focus, your energy on. And it can be so easy to go down that route of, well, this person's doing it and that person in my space is doing it, then I should be there too. And I always say to my clients, you don't know what's going on under the hood of their business or who they're targeting or what they're doing or how much they're spending. You've really got to run your own race and, um, yeah, lean into your strengths, lean into your data and get support. If you really are overwhelmed and you don't know which way to go or what step to take next, figure out what's most important to you in your business and find a specialist in that area. Yeah, I think that comparison fatigue is really, really prevalent because you think, oh, that person's killing it online and they're doing a much Mm -hmm. better job than I am. But like you said, you don't know what's going on underneath at all. It can be, yeah, you don't know. But I think doubling down on something that you're good at is really important. Back to what you were saying, I really liked what you were saying about looking inside your analytics. It really, when it comes to business, is a numbers game. So you do need to really know those numbers, be clear on the numbers. I see that a lot when I'm working with students or clients is that some of the, I mean, it's not the sexy part of your business is the numbers side. It's not necessarily what lights you up. Well, it depends if, if your numbers is your thing. <laughs> yeah, well, numbers is my thing, so it's sexy to me, but yeah. it arms you with so much knowledge on how to improve mm. if you do know those stats back to front. Just things like what's your conversion rate? How does that benchmark mm-hmm. against your your industry? Is there anything that you can do? Like even just as simple as like ask a friend to navigate through your site who hasn't been there before. What do they get stuck on? Mm-hmm. Where are they not finding? Like what's causing them to trip you up? Because it's really hard to see that sort of information when you're in it all the time, you think it's as easy as pie. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the first part of the way I work with my clients. We spend a good several weeks, well, I spend a good several weeks auditing their business and you know, going through their website, making a purchase, seeing how that feels, what's missing, where are the leaky holes in their funnel experience. But also I get them to get comfortable with numbers. I've got a spreadsheet that I call the master sheet and their first homework is to go through their Shopify analytics and outline a full 12 months of what happened in their business behind the computer. So we're talking average order value, um, returning customer rate, conversion rate, online traffic source. So basically we're just getting a massive picture of when their peaks are, when their lows are, where's their gaps, you know, did they do something for Mother's Day when they should have 
when they really should be doing something for Mother's Day. So knowing where a business has come from really helps you determine where it's going to go. Because the smartest way, and especially when you're time poor, is just focus your energy on what works. You know, it makes perfect sense. Why focus on things that you don't know is working or you don't have a good indication if it's going to work for you? So that's probably a, a good time saver for someone who's, you know, starting out unsure. Just look through your stats, figuring out what's bringing sales to you now and increase your time and effort on that. Yeah. And exhaust what's working first before, like I like to look at when I'm looking at a marketing idea or this is how I look at when I'm working with clients is think of it like a bullseye target. So focus on the most profitable rung or circle first. Then when you've exhausted all your potential in that, so you've exhausted all your marketing potential going after those customers or that particular Facebook ads or Google ads, then add another layer. And then you might be less profitable in that layer, but you know that you've got that core group that are working really well. So I think that doubling down on what's working and kind of having that tunnel vision is such good advice because mm-hmm. it can get really overwhelming to be trying to spin all the plates at once. Yes. And really hard. Yeah, it is. And women as well, we're people pleasers and we want to try everything and do everything well. And we sometimes need permission not to do things. So I'll get one of my clients to tell me everything that they've got going on. You know, what campaigns are you doing? What collaborations? What ideas are you working on? And I see where all their energy is being focused and I can tell what's going to bring them return and what's not in the short term. And I tell them, okay, you have permission not to do any of these things on your to-do list because we're going to focus on A, B and C first. Mm. And that alone is a great sense of relief. And they're like, okay, awesome. I don't have to you know, be a master at creating video content this month. I'm just going to set up my welcome sequence, for example. So stripping back what's not serving you is another perfect step in improving your marketing and your results. And like focus that energy on the revenue generating activities, what's Mm -hmm. working for you now, and then start to add layers on top of that. I think that's really clever. That's right. Get some money coming in. Yes. Yeah. Focus on the revenue, the revenue generating activities, like think of yourself, value your time, like you're worth, worth that time. So how do you work with clients? Like if a client comes to you and needs some help on the e-com side, like you said you have this master spreadsheet, which sounds like a mm-hmm. dream of mine, but you know, you've got, you get them to do some homework and how long would you usually work with a client for? Would it be like a short-term collaboration or would you work with them for an extended period? Yeah. So I work with my clients initially for six months because you really do need a good amount of time to see the transformation. And that's what I provide, a transformation. So they come to me overwhelmed, confused, burnt out, unsure, unclear, and I walk with them. So I personally guide them through laying the marketing foundations and then implementing tactics that are right for their business. So we work one-on-one. It's very personal. I deliver done-for-you elements as well. So after the auditing process and the discovery process, I present back my recommendations. Part of that is, you know, putting together their brand strategy and whatever is most relevant to them. So it's not cookie cutter. It's very, very customized to their stage of business, their their existing strengths, their goals. You know, someone may be ready to scale much, much faster than somebody else. So yeah, it's very exciting and it's quite unique to what else is on the market really because it's not necessarily a course or a program, it's personalized. And I think I really feel that the women I work with and most women 
we thrive when we have that personal support because it can be a very lonely experience being in business. Like there's only so much you can talk to your husband or your partner about it without them tuning out. And often our girlfriends or friends aren't small business owners either. So to have someone on your side that you can talk to whenever you want and brainstorm and come out with your strategies and plans, it's super awesome for me to experience and it's really valuable for them too. It's so funny that you say about there's only so much you can tell your husband because I'm that person that like I'll tell him everything and he just tunes it out (laughs) and he'll turn it back to me and I'll be like, you didn't even listen to a thing I just said. And he's like, you don't care what I say about my work. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like, They're probably boring. (laughs) Yeah, like he's an electrician. Like what's fun about that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it is important. I think it's a game changer when you do have that support and you don't feel like you're going through it all alone. And you can also, I think that often people might, feel the downside of hiring or investing in a coach is the money aspect, obviously. But Mm -hmm. I think you can shave years off your learning process if you're leveraging someone else's learnings. Do you find that people get results a lot quicker? Yeah, absolutely. I just looking at your face, I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, the investment is a pin drop in terms of what they get back from it. Because it's sort of twofold. A lot of the time they're spending money and spending their time on so much and and investing so much and not seeing any results. So you're saving money in that respect that you're getting a step-by-step, okay, this is what you do to get success. But the other part of coaching is, yeah, you're getting lifelong skills. It's not like a flash in the pan or, you know, something that's written in a course and you're actually using this to step into being a CEO in your business. You know, it's it's long-term stability strengthening skills that you're going to use over and over so it's the results I've seen it's very exciting and it's game changing and one client after working together she was able to buy her own warehouse and bringing like five staff going from going from her working in her garage or working in the home office so yeah it's been it's been awesome and then once someone because I, I was reading your website that you classify anyone that's under three years as kind of like a startup in the e-com space. Once they get past that three-year point, do you work with clients then too, or is it just sort of during that that startup phase that you're kind of hands-on approach? Yeah, no, I definitely work with businesses that are past that three-year mark. It's more um, women that are struggling with marketing and direction that have an e-commerce business so you know you could be have been in your business for seven years and you'll still feel like you're limping along or you could be in your business for seven months and you feel overwhelmed and you're needing guidance to take it to the next level and I've, I've worked with both of them so yeah it's more if you're struggling with direction it's about how they're feeling in terms rather than how old their business is like I guess if that makes sense yeah, maybe like a yeah, a mindset or a phase rather than a time. That's right. When you're like being on the Google Ads side of things, it's a growth strategy, but it's not mandatory for people to use in order to grow. Like there's a lot of other strategies that you can use and a lot of other marketing tactics you can use. What are some that you would say are non-negotiables when it comes Ooh. to an e-commerce business? So if you are getting started, like what can't you not focus on? What do you have to make sure that you're doing? That's a really good question. So you have to, obviously, I guess my go-tos, and it obviously depends on every client, but 
you have to know your purpose and your message and the change that you want to be in the world. So that's your marketing foundations. If you don't have a message, how are you ever going to get someone to buy from you a clear message and a powerful message? You have to ensure that your website is set up to convert traffic into customers. So you could spend thousands of dollars getting thousands of people to your site, but if you have a site that's hard to use, that's confusing, the message isn't clear, the products don't communicate their value, then that's not going to work. So that's why you're wasting time and money doing that. So you've got to have a clear message set up to convert customers. And then in terms of like the marketing tactics, you have to have your email marketing ticking and capturing people and obviously bringing them on board, nurturing them into your brand and your product and and who you are as a person as well. So oh, that's one another thing that you'd have to get really comfortable is um, putting your face to your brand. So as a small business, there's not many I can think of that are faceless brands. And if they are faceless brands, they're doing well, then that's great. But yeah, step out from behind the brand and tell people your story, um, communicate and connect with your audience on a personal level. And, you know, you don't have to tell them all your, all your dirty laundry, but you just have to be yourself. And I always say you can't go wrong if you're just being yourself, you know, and people can really connect to that. And it's yeah, giving your audience a reason to back you. So, yeah, they would be my go-tos. Yeah, and humanizing your brand, I think, is really important. And what you said about the website, I wholeheartedly agree. I could not agree with that more. I think the old saying is that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, is that you can, and this I see this a lot, is when I'm working with clients or students, and I think they'll say to me, oh, well, my ads aren't working. And it's not an ad problem, but it's a conversion problem on the site. So I think your website really needs to be primed to be able to teach people what they need to do on your site. It needs Mm -hmm. to be really clear. And if you know your numbers in terms of like your conversion rate, that becomes a really powerful statistic because then you can start to say like, if I increase that by a percent or half a percent, that would lead to this much more revenue each day, week, month, year. So I think that your site does need to be like a well-oiled machine and you Mm -hmm. need to like aesthetic is important, but functionality is even more important when it comes to an e-commerce website. Yeah, And it's good right now that a lot of the -the out-of-the-box solutions like Shopify and WooCommerce, they do take a lot of that into consideration, but you know, just little things like your product imaging and that sort of stuff has such a huge impact as well. It really does. Yeah. So do you find that the website stuff is often not focused on as much as it should be? Yeah, yes and no. A lot of the time we, that I, when I meet clients, they know that their website needs some, you know, TLC and we'll do that together. So I'll connect them with someone that I've worked with that I trust very much that suits their budget. And we'll refresh and overhaul their website as part of our six-month program together, as well as doing all the marketing stuff too, because, you know, nine times out of 10, knowing what to have on your website, you know, that's really confusing and overwhelming to most business owners. So I I love helping them through that, you know, demystifying that. Yeah, I think that when you're getting started with your, your business, there's so much that you need to focus on. But if you have that website, the functionality at the primary thought in your mind, I think you can't really go wrong there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when it comes to email marketing, I think that's also can be quite confronting as well because people aren't used to, they're not born copywriters and they're they're not sure what exactly they're meant to say. What sort of tips can you give people on that side of things? 
Yeah, for sure. So if you invest in a good email service provider like Klaviyo or OmniSend, a lot of the thought process is taken out of it for you because you've got your campaign emails where you're you're broadcasting a message to a segment of your audience or your entire audience, which are fantastic for sales and promotions and things like that. But then there's also the automated sequences. So Klaviyo and OmniSend often have them all completely templated out for you. And that's where you can literally, once they're done and you've learned it, and there's plenty of um, online resources to learn how to write, a, let's say, for example, a welcome sequence, then it's on and it's making you money and it's bringing people into your brand and into your sales funnel without you having to lift a finger. So I would start there. So start with your automated sequences, so your welcome sequence. I think that's got like the highest open rate out of any email that you'll ever send. So, you know, start there, get people to know, like, and trust you, show your best products, um, incentivize them to purchase in your welcome sequence, and then move on to implementing other ones. So like, you know, thanks for your first purchase, a nurture series. What else do we have in there? Abandoned cart, browser, downloads, customer. Do you do yeah. those sort of ones as well? Yeah, re-engagement. VIP or life cycle is really interesting. So if you've got a product that people run out of at a certain time, let's say it's deodorant or T-shirts or socks, you know, reminding them to buy or even take it one step further and get them to sign up to a subscription of your product. Um, But that's getting into a whole other kettle of fish. But um, you can implement maybe six to seven different email sequences that will be guaranteed pretty much earning you money if you get them done without you lifting a finger and then you can concentrate on doing your um, email newsletters and your content marketing and things like that. And there is obviously those costs associated with Clavio or OmniSend because they do have they're not as cheap as like a a MailChimp or something like that Mm -hmm. but I think I would say is if you just do go into it with that perspective of return on investment rather than it being an expense. So it's an investment to be able to generate that revenue in the background. Do you come up against that sort of pushback when you're encouraging people to sign up for those sort of services? Uh, Sometimes, but most of the time, when you've got an e-commerce business, you have to be prepared to spend money because none of it is cheap. It's not for the faint-hearted and you have to invest in these sort of tools. There are cheaper ones out there, but yeah, if you want to get serious and make it easier for yourself in the long run, start out with the quality option and yeah you will see that return in investment you will earn that $60 back or whatever it is it'll be a drop in the pond yeah that's it again and again and again and if you zero in on it and get really good at it and upskill you'll be blown away by the amount of revenue it can bring into your business on autopilot yeah and that's the thing is if you're not having to do as much of the heavy lifting it's a huge weight off your shoulders when you have these processes set up in the background that can tick along and continue to bring in. I mean, it's it's similar to go back to Google Ads. It's similar to have something that's constantly working in the background for you, not like to continue to bring in customers. It's a really powerful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much for joining me today. Like you've clearly got such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to e-com and I'm so passionate about helping female businesses upskill and get better and, and grow, where can people connect with you if they want to learn more? Yeah. Um, so my website is uh, au, and burn is spelled B-Y-R-N-E. And I'm often on Instagram sharing advice and truth bombs and that is at Lisa Byrne Marketing.
Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to meet you over (laughs) the internet. I know. (laughs) It is. So I hope you love this episode as much as I loved connecting with Lisa. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at katiegriffin underscore on Instagram. And you can also attend my free Google Ads Masterclass, which teaches you the 10 common mistakes that most accounts make. And that's at sundaydigital.com.au forward slash masterclass. And if you love this episode or you want to help me out, I would really appreciate you subscribing and also dropping a review as that helps other people find it as well. And I will talk to you on the next episode.